0: Welcome
1: back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashcar, and today with me, I'm back with my co-host Jack Vandemater.
0: We had to hop back and get a special episode in. It's been a while, but we're talking Cleveland Cavaliers and Donovan Mitchell. We had no choice but but to record, and I'm glad that we we can get back and back in the lab.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm really happy to be recording this one. This is a massive trade for the Cavs. It is, you know, something that totally changed the game for them. And just before we hop into anything, Jack, I wanted to ask you, just simply, in simple terms, how do you like this trade? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you only like it? What are you thinking?
0: I love it. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. You know, the Cavs clearly have a window here, a window upcoming with Mobley, Garland, and Allen, this young court, and they were really missing one piece. Like It was pretty clear whether that was going to be, I don't know, LeBron James in free agency. Obviously, he signs the extension with the Lakers. So the Cavs needed to make a move to get a catalyst to really launch this team into that contender level, especially with the East being so stacked now. And I think this is the trade to do it. We're going to get into the details of it later and how that kind of that the implications it has. But like from a, from a simple standpoint, the Cavs are contenders and I could not be more excited.
1: So you love it. And I love it, too. And I think that's the perfect segment into what we have. We'll explain why we love this trade, why we think it's good, what the Cavs gave up. But ultimately, this is a massive deal, ones that you don't see all the time. So let's get into the deets, Jack. To start, to the Jazz, the Cavs gave up a lot. They gave up three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029, They did two pick swaps in 2026 and 2028, so between those first three unprotected first-round picks. And I'm going to explain two quick things to the viewers. An unprotected first-round pick means that there is the NBA draft lottery and there are protections on picks. So if you trade a pick to a team and it's protected and it's in the draft lottery, the team that traded the pick gets it back because it was draft lottery protected but these picks are not protected. So no matter where the Cavs end up drafting, those three picks will go to the Utah Jazz. The pick swaps are a choice given to the Utah Jazz. So 2026 and 2028. In 2026, if the Cavs have a higher first round draft pick than the Jazz, the Jazz can swap, literally swap their pick with ours to get the better pick in the draft. And they have two options to do that. So in reality, the Cavs gave up three unprotected first round picks with the possibility to drop lower in 2026 and 2028. They are giving up a lot of draft capital and the ability to give up a lot of draft capital. Also trading guard Colin Sexton, forward slash center slash wing Laurie Markinen, and newly drafted rookie Oshai Agbaji, who we never really had the chance to talk about on this show, but adios, Oshai. I'm happy to have Donovan, but it would have been cool to see him here in Cleveland.
0: Yeah. So general thoughts on that trade and that and that package. I think the the part that hurts me the most was Ochai Abaji. You never got to see him play. He was an interesting fit with the Cavs since he was a three point wing kind of player with decent defense, and obviously he. You know we don't know what he can be. At the end of the day, though, I think he was unlikely to be anything more than a role player. He's an older pro. I know that 22 years old sounds really young to a lot of people but it's not, not from NBA standards that's pretty old. So I, I don't think he was anything too crazy. And then Colin Sexton, here's the thing the Cavs were trying to deal Sexton all offseason. He was a restricted free agent this year.
1: Meaning he can't go anywhere without the Cavs being able to match the contract that another team gives to him.
0: Right. And there had been trade rumors swirling all off season. They were exploring a, a sign in trade to the Mavs earlier this year. And, and to kind of put how the Cavs felt about Sexton in perspective, the Mavs were offering, I think, Tim Hardaway Junior for Colin Sexton. Like so Colin Sexton, even though he's a I think he's a really solid player, really was not a huge piece for the Cavs. And like it he I don't think he was in their their long term plans. So that doesn't really leave too much of a sting for me. And then Laurie Markin again, just a role player in the grand scheme of things, he's kinda meaningless. But it was fun. The seven footer lineup was pretty fun while it lasted. And then picks are again in the NBA standards, first round pick it sounds pretty, but if if the Cavs if this works out, the Cavs are super young, those picks, even though they're in twenty twenty seven, you know, are are gonna be late most likely. So in, in NBA standards, late first round picks don't mean that much. I think overall this works out really well for the Cavs. Quickly, too, I don't want to take too long, but on the Jazz side, it, it, it's kind of a win-win for both teams because the Jazz are clearly in a rebuild. They pick get up a long. lot of picks. So they're going to be looking good in about five years or so, but, but win-win.
1: Yeah, I'll just give my quick thoughts because I thought you explained it pretty well, Jack. I, I love Colin Sexton. That dude goes balls to the wall. He gives so much effort, and he's a great natural scorer. Obviously, the Cavs did not want to bring him back even for $18 million a year. They wanted him on a shorter contract and more likely coming off the bench as a six man. But Sexton is more than that, in my opinion, and he definitely thinks he's more than that. So he was able to go to Utah. He'll start there and he gets $72 million, which is a lot of money. Igbajee Hurts, but he was more of a plug and play jack. He's an older prospect at 22. So they brought him in because they thought he could make an impact now and help the Cavs make a playoffs run versus, you know, kind of developing him and letting him turn into a good player. And then Markkanen, the Cavs extended him last year when they actually traded for him. They traded Larry Nance for him, which was awesome to see. But Markkanen, you know, was a defensive liability when we had him in the lineup at 3 it was hard for him to guard wings, and rightfully so, because he's a 7-footer who's played power forward and center his whole career. So that was a tough thing to ask. It was a cool lineup, though, and it did ver- work very well against teams. They had no idea what to do against three 7-footers. But like you said, Jack, this trade's awesome. I think it's the best of both worlds for both teams, and we have a little snippet down here. The Jazz might have messed up because back when the trade talks officially opened— The New York Knicks gave them a very, very good offer, including R.J. Barrett, which they eventually turned down. I'm happy they did because the Cavs ended up getting Donovan Mitchell, but they offered R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, who they also locked up to a huge deal, and three unprotected first-round picks. Yeah, Knicks, what happened?
0: Yeah, clearly, that's a better package than what the Cavs ended up trading for Mitchell. I agree. It's kind of wild to me that this deal ended up happening. I think behind the scenes just quickly what happened is that Jazz backed out, which made the Knicks kind of re- rethink these things. Like you said, they locked up Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett to long-term extensions as soon as they heard that the Jazz declined. Kobe Altman sneaks in. I think I heard from Woj that he was at the US Open watching Serena Williams. Oh, yeah. And hears that the Knicks... And the jazz trade kind of falls apart. Calls up the jazz GM on Tuesday and kind of restarted these things. And then the Knicks had no no chance to counter once the deal was done. So Kobe Altman working some magic and slipped right in, right in. So good job by him. I think he deserves a lot of credit in this in this situation. And clearly he's he's kind of learned how to. He's developed into a pretty good GM himself. I think originally there was a little bit of a learning curve. We were not too nice on...
1: Yeah, Jack and I owe him an apology. We owe him like a continual apology because we did not give Kobe Altman a hard time. And honestly, I think it was fair for us not to, but he's really, really, really proved us wrong. I can really emphasize that really, as you can tell, but he's made some awesome moves We obviously have to see if they all pay off because a championship is the goal. A championship's a goal for everyone, unless you're the New York Knicks. But... (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, the championship's the goal. And now with this roster, the Cavs are going to have a shot to at least make a run for the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that is a good transition into our next little chart that we have here. And that's the Cavs projected depth chart. In this upcoming season, and we will read it off for you real quick. Jack, I'll read these off, and if you want to give me like quick thought on each you know, position group, just chime in. So for our point guards, the Cavs have Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, and Raul, Nato. The one thing, though, that I'll say real quick is that Ricky Rubio will be out for the first couple months of the year, so Nato will be the Cavs' backup point guard for the time being.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they work that out. I know that you know, you can swap out players, too. Like, maybe Mitchell kind of assumes some point guard-like duties because he's more of an on-ball player anyway, and Garland's more of an off-ball. Like, he's better off-ball, so we'll see. I don't know if Nato's going to get a ton of playing time, but that's how it stands for the moment. Shooting guard.
1: For shooting guard, Donovan Mitchell, Chetty Osman, and Dylan Windler.
0: Quickly, I will say two things. LaVert could play some shooting guard, although he'll he'll probably see reps at small forward as well. And then if Dylan Windler, like I know he's kind of flopped, but if he could, you know, be a really develop into that shooter, a spot-up shooter, I could see him being a, a somewhat, you know, impactful piece coming off the bench. So a guy to keep an eye on.
1: At small forward, you have Karis Levert, who we talked about. The Cavs have a lot of positional versatility on this team. Maybe still lacking a wing after you trade Laurie and Ochide, but... It will, you know, small forward will either be Lavert or Okoro, and then you also have Lamar Stevens, who a lot of people are very excited about after some off-season videos of him shooting.
0: Yeah, I mean, Okoro and Stevens both have got a lot of off-season hype this this year, and apparently they've improved their offensive games. And, like at the end of the day, like they're not gonna be; they're gonna be the fifth options. But good to hear.
1: And I just wanted to say real quick that I definitely think Okoro has the most to prove on this roster, Jack. I think this is a massive year for him. they got to see if he can take an offensive leap. Obviously, he's great at defense, but you know at times you would see him struggling on offense, and he was a top-five pick in the NBA draft. So they do yeah. want more out of him from the offensive side. At Power Forward, you have the young star in Evan Mobley. You have the old star in Kevin Love, and then you have Dean Wade.
0: Yeah, there's not much to say about this. Evan Mobley is the future of the Cavs. Kevin Love is the savvy vet of this group, this really young team. So I think it's a really strong, powered forward position.
1: Yeah, it's super deep. And then at center, you have the all-star, Jarrett Allen. And then you have Robin Lopez, about to fight some mascots for the Cavs this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Jarrett Allen obviously signed to that great contract, five years, 100 mil. He's one of the best contracts in the NBA. And then Robin Lopez, kind of a journeyman, but should provide some valuable depth behind uh, Jared Allen.
1: And some good veteran presence. The Cavs now have the best afro centers in the NBA between Robin Lopez and Jared Allen. No one else can say that they have centers with better afros. Nope. mm -mm. The Cavs top-notch with that. So moving into implications, I just wanted to explain something real quick that I liked about this trade, Jack. The Cavs you know, had trouble closing out the year last year because their number one option was Darius Garland. Without Ricky Rubio, he couldn't rest because he had to play virtually the entire game. And there wasn't many scoring options of people who could, you know, drive in and score the ball. That's where we're missing Sexton. Levert really didn't gel into the lineup and couldn't, like, take that second option. But now... You bring in a 26-point-a-game scorer in Donovan Mitchell, so someone that can take the ball out of Garland's hands and score when he needs a rest or to give someone else a look to make it harder for the defense. You also bring back Ricky Rubio, who is able to run point and literally give Garland a great rest. So I think this team is really built to succeed. It's built around the young guys, and bringing in someone like Mitchell makes this team super excited. and the. That's a- yeah.
0: Such an important point that you just brought up, though, is that the entire offensive creation last year ran through Garland. Like, he was the guy that would create offense. Like, Mobley is not – like, he's a great player, but he wasn't creating, you know, with the dribble by any means. So now you bring in a guy like Mitchell who scores in waves. You know, I think part of the Cavs' problem last year, obviously with the injuries played a factor, was that we'd, ha- we'd have moments where we'd kind of go through a- an offensive drought or a, a low spot and and that's where Mitchell really succeeds like he can drive to the bat. he's one of the best drivers and offensive scorers in the entire NBA. Um, so I think that that offensive creation that you just mentioned to be able to have two and potentially three with Rubio coming back guys that can really create on offense and then obviously the the twin towers and the paint it's going to be it's going to be really really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, so Mitchell is a three-time all-star. Last year he averaged 25.9 points per game. So you can imagine that's a lot of buckets coming into Cleveland. He also averaged 4.2 rebounds and 5.3 assists. So yet another person between Rubio and Garland that can create looks for their teammates. He was also the 18th most valuable player in the NBA in 2022 per VORP, which is basically the war for the NBA, which is the baseball's ranking system of how valuable a player is. And Donovan Mitchell came in at 18 last year. Like you said, he also scores in Waves Jack, and he is a good pull-up shooter. And going into our next and last segment, what you have written first, the Cavs are instant contenders for the next three years, minimum. And that's what Donovan Mitchell does to this team.
0: Yeah, so you look at this core, right? Harry Garland, 22 years old, just turned 22. Donovan Mitchell is currently 25, as we this. He's about to turn 26 on September 7th, so happy early birthday to Donovan Mitchell if you listen to this. Evan Mobley just turned 21, and then Jared, 24. So we've got four guys, four legitimate All-Stars, three of them All-Stars last year, and then Mobley in two years might be the best player on this list. So four All-Stars who are not only super young, but are locked up for the next three years minimum. Garland's under contract through 27 28. So he's got like, we'll be of Garland for forever. Evan Mobley is like a, a staple. It would be shocking if, you know, five years down the road, Evan Mobley wasn't here. He's going to sign an extension, most likely. I'm not, you know, I can't see into the future. Jared Allen under contract through 25 26. Mitchell under contract through 24 25 with a player option in 25 26. So three years minimum, it's more likely than not that. These guys are going to be here for four or five years. So the, the Cavs' window, I, I, I don't want to use the term win now because it isn't win now. The Cavs have a four-year window, most likely.
1: Yeah, they have a great time to build, but obviously bringing in someone like Mitchell, your eyes are going to be set on an NBA championship. Now, you went from three losing seasons, and then obviously last year was awesome, but they did end up losing in the playing game. An Eastern Conference, you know, finals appearance would be a huge success for this year, Jack. Making it deep into the playoffs would be a huge success. The team obviously has to build, but we can also look at this and be like, dang, this is a championship-built roster. They have the firepower to make a run to even make it to the finals. Maybe not this year, but you got these guys together next year and the year after that, and then some extensions will start coming for Mobley, for Mitchell— you could sign Allen again, even though they just signed him last summer. So this is going to be a team that will wreak havoc in the East for years to come. And meanwhile, Jack, Kobe Altman is saving money while doing this.
0: Yeah, so just over, I'll, I'll let you get into the details. But overview, we by, by trading Sexton, Laurie, Bochai, we got $142.5 million off the books. Donovan Mitchell's on a $97.8 million contract over three years. So overall, it was a net $44.7 million gain of calf space that the Cavs got. So that's I mean, that's massive. Over a four-year period, right. Over four years. That It's a massive amount of money that we opened up while still getting the best player in the entire trade.
1: Yeah, so the Cavs weren't going to sign him to this deal, but essentially by trading him, they get four years, $72 million off their books. That's $18 million a year for Colin Sexton. They trade Laurie, who had three years, $51.8 million left, and Ochai on his rookie contract of four years, $18.7 million left. So the Cavs add cap space over four years by trading for a superstar on a big contract, which is just super crazy to think about. But Jack... To end this episode, we got a couple more implications for the Cavs, a couple questions, you know, about how this roster is built because, you know, you can't have a perfect roster in the NBA. There's always going to be holes. There's always going to be questions. And the first one that we have is that the Cavs are back. They never took a break from having a small backcourt. A lot of people did not like Garland and Sexton together because it was a defensive liability. 2 six one guards is difficult, especially on defense. And you are going back to two six one and six three players, so the Cavs have that small backport again.
0: Yeah, so to speak on that quickly, Donovan Mitchell, we've seen from his rookie year to where he is now as he's kind of progressed as an offensive player, has regressed as a defensive player, originally came into the league as a plus defender, you know, defense was supposed to be one of his strong suits. Clearly that has kind of not been the case, but I think part, part of that is because of what the Jazz have asked asked him to do. So you look at the Dallas Mavericks series and the Utah Jazz in the playoffs this past season, and Donovan Mitchell was not under a ton of fire for his defensive, you know, liability. Like he was just a revolving door on defense. And, you know, obviously from a surface level perspective, that scream that's that's a problem. However, when you really look at it, the Jazz were asking him to do everything on the offensive end. So I think if, you know, with all this these talent around Donovan Mitchell now, you can kind of ask Donovan to maybe he doesn't have to be the guy on every single offensive possession cuz you've got all these other weapons now. So maybe if he can give 10% more defense and you know take away 10% of that, that offense, I think Donovan Mitchell can can go right back to being a solid defender. He's got a 6'10" wingspan versus Colin Sexton's 6'6" wingspan. So I do think Donovan Mitchell is an upgrade over Sexton on defense, even even if it's a small one. And, again, Donovan Mitchell has always jumped out of the gym. He plays a little bit bigger than six one, anyway. So, while it is a problem, and I'm sure we'll see some some defensive issues at some point, I'm not overly concerned about it.
1: Our next one is that the Cavs traded away a couple of threes. They drafted Oshai to, you know, come and play that three for them, the three position. But he also was good at shooting threes. Same with Lori Markkinen. So we're going to have to see someone step up, whether it's Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro. Does he finally show that he's that small forward that you can trust, especially on the offensive side of the ball? And then it changes the Cavs' strategy, Jack. Donovan Mitchell will be on the ball a lot more, which will leave Darius Garland off the ball a lot more. But the thing that I like about that is that Darius Garland last year shot 38% from the three-point line, creating more open looks for him, creating more open looks for someone like Karis LeVert. Maybe Isaac Okoro, he can shoot, or even someone like Kevin Love coming off the bench. So I think that opening more looks is never a bad thing.
0: Yeah, and and it'll be fluid too. Like you'll have possessions where Mitchell brings it up and Garland brings it up. So I don't expect that Garland, you know, Garland's not going to disappear, you know, from the assist category by any means. He'll still be the guy. But yeah, Mitchell can kind of dominate. And I think too, really quick is like you saw in the playoffs. I do feel like. You know, Maybe the pressure got to Garland a little bit, the inexperience. I really like what Donovan brings in terms of p- a playoff perspective and that grit. When it comes down to the crunch time, if you need to have Mitchell playing on the ball with Garland off the ball, he can. he's, he's a much better off-ball player anyway. So I, I just think this works so well for the Cavs, whether it's regular season, playoff, just in, in general. So that was my, that's, that's all I have to really say about it. But, but,
1: yeah. I think that's all we really have to say about Donovan Mitchell. Obviously... We will be talking about him for a long year to come, as long as we do this podcast. Donovan Mitchell could be a headline of this show. Hopefully the Cavs are a headline of the show, bringing another title back to Cleveland, maybe two before the Indians, or my bad, Guardians or Browns could even bring one. We shall see, Jack. But it was great hopping on the mic with you again.
0: We're good, man. They're looking, we got, I think, the three youngest teams in all the major sports. We do.
1: Cleveland's popping, although neither of us are in Cleveland right now. I'd much (laughs) rather be in Cleveland, though, than Columbus. Although, i got to say, dude, it's awesome down here. Notre Dame's coming to town. We're about to give them a spanking tomorrow. But if y'all made it this far, thank you so much for listening in. Jack, it was good again being on the mic, and I'm signing off. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys who made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Big Bad Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure y'all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.